I'm ready to get into the Word today as we are busy with a series called When All Is Said and Done, where we are looking at the seven I am sayings of Jesus Christ through the Gospel of John. What's really exciting is if you did your reading yesterday, um, it lined up nicely to the message this morning, because this morning I'm going to speak about I am the resurrection and the life. So yesterday that was the reading John chapter 11, and that's what we're going to read together this morning, where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And what's important to note about what Jesus is saying in these statements, it's not about what he can do, it's about who he is. So when he says, I'm the bread of life, he is the bread. When he says, I'm the light of the world, he is the light. It's not about him doing, it's about who he is in his identity. So when Jesus says, I'm the resurrection, we've got to stop and think about that for a moment. There would be no resurrection if there wasn't death, right? So in order for us to think well of resurrection, we've got to think about death for a moment. Death are one of those things that I think it's hard to think about. Do you want to agree with that? It's interesting how we, we go through life and we prepare ourselves for significant moments, we pre pre prepare our kids to go to school. And when they get to big school, we've just been through our very first exams. With Alika, you prepare them for exams because it's a big thing. And then when exams are done, you prepare them for holidays because holidays is a big thing. And then you've got to prepare them again for the next term. And so we prepare ourselves for the new year and we get ready and have our resolutions. And, and we prepare ourselves for, for marriage maybe. And we prepare ourselves for the arrival of a child but when it comes to death, we just like, uh, <laughs> let's rather not engage that specific topic. But Jesus said something that gives us hope this morning, that he is the resurrection. What he's saying, where there's death, he comes and he brings the countermeasure. He comes and he says, I am the resurrection in spite of and in midst of the fact that each one of you will face this moment. So this morning, I, I really pray that we would get to a place where we move beyond the fear of speaking about this topic and replace it with the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. He cared enough about us that he would engage this very topic that each one of us has to th deeply think about. And I believe as we study his word this morning, It'll help us see his heart. I believe that by the end of this morning, we can join in the doxology of Paul where he says, O grave, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? We would be able to walk through this life and say, you know what? There's no sting in death anymore because of Jesus. And the very words that he said, where death occurs, I step in. And who I am becomes the countermeasure. I am the resurrection. When I was growing up as a kid, I used to think through things deeply, my parents tell me. Um, and the one thing that I did think through as a little kid, and I think maybe most kids do, is the concept of death. And I was dead scared to die. And then my parents shared with me the faith and that if I know Jesus and accept him that, and I follow Jesus, that I'll go to heaven. And somehow that wasn't enough. <laughs> Because I'm like, okay, that's great, but I'm now scared to go to heaven. Because I'm not, not sure what to expect. 
until the day that my oldest sister said, do you know what's going to happen in heaven? They're going to serve ice cream and chocolate sauce. <laughs> and that really helped me. I'm like, you know what, I think I'm ready now. I can go to heaven. This morning, however, I want to stretch our thinking beyond the ice cream and chocolate sauce. I want us to deeply look into the concept that God has given us days on this earth to walk in and then our physical body stops. But then there's a, continuous of our, a continuation of our spirit. Therefore, we can talk about death. So maybe you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable because it is definitely an uncomfortable message to talk about. But I want you to listen to this quote by Matthew McCullough who said, by avoiding the subject of death, we act like it's not true. And so we shrink down the scale of Jesus' victory. So when we avoid the idea of talking about the fact that we're all going to die because it's uncomfortable and difficult, you know what happens is we also avoid the opportunity to speak about Jesus' words saying, I am the resurrection. We also avoid the opportunity to raise again our views higher and beyond the transient world and what we see today and stretch our view into eternity and what is to come. I just had an incredible conversation with Anthony who went to a memorial service. Maybe some of you people had to say goodbye with them to a dear friend this week. But he said, Pierre, the memorial service was all about the proclamation of the glory and the hope of Jesus Christ. And that's the beauty for us. We as the children of God shouldn't be uncomfortable. We shouldn't be afraid because of the words of Jesus under resurrection and life. We can go there this morning and we can speak about this. And I know that there will be hope in each one of us. When we learn to think about and look at the shadow of death, then we will be able to apply the light and the life of Jesus Christ. And I want to read you a quote by the poet John Donne who said, Death, be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. This morning, our goal is simply to elevate our view of Jesus and to shrink our view of this concept of death. And in order to help us with that, I've asked Eliana to just sing a song with this thought, Death, be not proud. And then we're going to read the word together and see what Jesus is going to do to each of our hearts. Thanks, Lena.
So death, if you sleep by the gates to heaven, why your confidence? You Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have paid the full price on the cross and even for our death. And this morning we can continue from this thought going forward, Lord, that we have victory because you are our risen hope. Lord, I pray that you would stretch our understanding of what it is when you said you are the resurrection. Lord, and that in light of you, our fear our failures and our thoughts, and especially with regards to death, Lord, would shrink so that we can hold in high esteem the glory of Jesus in our lives. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Even death will die. Though the whole world fears, Christ is even over our death. Psalm 116, verse 15 says this, Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of His saints. Wow. Did you even know that that is in the Bible? (laughs) Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of His saints. And this morning, I'm holding attention Because I could easily come and share a message and just tell you, you know what? Just get over the thought that death is real. Just get over the thought that that people are going to die and you've got to move on. But this morning we're going to see how Jesus leans into our human pain and our human struggle with this thought through the story that we're going to read. And how in the midst of this story, he brought truth. By saying, I'm the resurrection. What's beautiful about this scripture where it says, precious in the sight of the Lord, that word precious could also in the original word be translated as costly. So precious to God because when we die, it shows again the victory that he has brought. 
precious to God because when we move from this life into eternity, we get to be with Him and fully enjoy His presence. But in the same breath, it's costly to us because there's lifelong memories that we've got to say goodbye to. There's a physical touch of another person that we don't have anymore. So when the psalmist wrote this, I'm sure he wrote it with both those world, worlds in mind, that it's precious to God when one of his children gets to be with him for eternity, gets to be fully whole, fully restored, and see the face of God. But in the same breath, he understands that it's costly to us. When we've got to move on, where we've got to say goodbye, where we've got to deal with our very real human emotions. And this morning as we read John 11, I want you to see how Jesus embraces both sides of the story. When he thinks about death, he doesn't just say, come now, move on. He takes a moment to pause and to lean into the very feelings that he created and placed in us that might lead us to a place of feeling uncomfortable to talk about it. So let's read together the Gospel of John chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 1 to 46. And as I read, I believe that God will already start speaking to each one of you in preparation for the rest of the message. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. 
Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary rose quickly to go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there would be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I say this on account of the people standing around me, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary had seen what he did and believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. What really struck me in this story is that Right at the beginning, Jesus wanted to reveal his love for three of the characters in the story. For Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It's said that he loved them. But it's very interesting to see how he chose to reveal his love for them. Let's read together. It said that now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. We can easily just read that as a means of interesting fact. But if you read it a little bit deeper, you would see that he loved Lazarus so much that he would let him die. Mary and Martha saying to Jesus, if you can come now, because we know you can heal, and if you can come to Lazarus now, can you please just come and just, just touch him like you've touched so many before. We want you to heal him. But Jesus, because he loved Lazarus, stood back for another few days 
and he let Lazarus die. That confronts our hearts in this moment. Why would he do that? We can't read this out of context. We've got to understand that right before that, he said that this illness does not lead to death. But this illness is purposed for the glory of the Father. And what Jesus is trying to to show us in this moment is there are things that we've got to understand that he does that might be out of line of how we think or thought or imagine it to be. But because he loves us, he'd rather take us to another place which is a greater revelation of who he is than what we thought we needed. You see, all along, Mary and Martha wanted Jesus to be a healer, but he wanted to come and reveal himself as the resurrector. He didn't want to come and offer healing. He wanted to come and offer resurrection. And this challenged my heart. I'm like, God, are there many times in my walk with you where I think you should do it like this? And then he says, I love you. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And if you trust me, and if you believe in me, didn't I tell you that you will see the glory of God? So even the worst thing, death, Jesus comes and he changes it around as a means to show his love for us. That's how powerful he is. That's how beautifully powerful our Jesus is. That he can even use the vessel of death to show and reveal his love to us. What would have happened if Jesus responded the way they wanted him to? What would have happened if he said, okay, Mary, okay, Martha, I'm coming? What would have happened if he then go and laid his hand on Lazarus and said, Lazarus, rise, be healed, be made better? What would have happened is that we wouldn't have seen the fullness of Christ in his earthly ministry. What would have happened is we wouldn't have seen how this moment of Lazarus being in a cave with a rock in front of it is just a moment and a shadow of what is to come of Jesus being in the grave with a rock in front of it and then eternity waiting for that moment for that rock to move and all the the breaths around it like, what's going to happen? And then there's life. He's out of the tomb. So Jesus stood back and he let death take its toll because he knew that he had something far greater involved. He loved us so much that he wanted to reveal much more of himself to us than what we expect. It's interesting when we read the story, all the characters, and it is a little bit like a death usually is. There's a lot of people involved. But then we see there's a lot of fear and desperation and suspicion and emotion involved as well. There was suspicion in the voice of the sisters when they said, couldn't you have come earlier? There was suspicion in the voice of the crowd who said, well, if he could let the deaf hear, why can't he have been here to heal Lazarus. You see, when, when death comes, it's, it's, it's just wrapped in emotion, right? But we've got to understand that that emotion is not a slave to our fear, our suspicions, and our desperate 
sense in a moment of death. But if we see emotion as a gift from God and if we use it in the right way, it can serve for the glory of Jesus. So emotion is not a bad thing. That's why it's highlighted in white this morning. But Jesus definitely didn't allow death to come to Lazarus to create any fear, to create any desperate sense in us, or to create any suspicion. But we're going to see this morning how Jesus responded to them and used his very own emotions as a human being to bring forth the purpose of death in the story. So I want us to do a bit of a character study. We see that there were the disciples. We see that, that there was the two sisters. The one is called Martha. The one is called Mary. And in, in the story we just read, we notice that there are three different crowds. And this morning we're going to look through the progression of the story to see how Jesus related, or maybe not, to all of these characters in the story. So we know that Martha and Mary are our first two key characters outside of Jesus who stepped into the story when Lazarus was ill. It said right in the beginning that Martha and Mary sent for Jesus. Two characters in the story. Will you go and get Jesus because our brother is ill and we need him to come and be the healer? That's the story that came to Jesus. But then we see this moment with his disciples. Where he says, guys, it's time for us to go to Bethany. And then for a moment, the disciples have to deal with the fear of death. Because they said, Jesus, if you go to Bethany today, they're going to stone you. They've been waiting for you. This is your moment to, to now go and die. And then Jesus says something interesting. He says, there's 12 hours in a day. If a man walks during day, he will not stumble. If he walks during the night, he will stumble because he does not have the light of life. He was referring back to the fact that he is the light of the world. And if they walk according to what he says, and if they trust him, his light will shine in every circumstance. So they shouldn't be afraid in this moment. The light of God is shining still on the ministry of Jesus. The hours for the ministry of Jesus is still there. He's not going to die yet. But then his disciples go into this moment of being scared. So much so that Thomas, in the end of it, says, Okay, well, let's go down with Jesus and go and die with him. Interesting, right? Some people think that there might have been some sarcasm in his statement. Well, let's go down and let's just die like Lazarus did. Because Jesus doesn't seem to heal like he's done before. I can imagine that maybe to be true. Because up until this point, there's been healings. But this time, he let someone pass away whom he deeply loved. So you see how in, in this moment of death, there's so many thoughts and ideas of where is God? Where is Jesus? How does he think about this? And he has this conversation with his disciples. And then eventually they said, let's go. So they're walking down to Bethany. And on their way to Bethany, Jesus comes and Martha runs to him and meets him outside of the town. And she says, with her suspicion maybe, or a disappointment, her disillusionment with Jesus, if you had been here earlier, if only you'd come through the way I wanted you to, this pain and this suffering would have passed me. And my brother would still be around. And then Jesus does something profound and probably the most profound thing I want you to leave 
with this morning. Jesus establishes truth. In the midst of all the emotion, and we're going to get to some of the other characters as well, in the midst of all of this chaos and emotion and pain and desperation and fear and suspicion, Jesus comes and he establishes truth and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He doesn't come and remove himself out of the center and say, okay, you know what, Martha, you are right. Let, let me move you in here. Because you know what? The way you feel is, is right. Your emotion is right. The way that you think about this is correct. No, no, no. He says, I am in the middle, standing strong as the one who is the resurrection and the life. And then we see Jesus leaning into Martha's story for a moment. And Martha says, I know that, Jesus. He will rise again on the last day with everyone else because you are the Christ. He didn't correct her in that moment. I think he could have. He could have said, you know what, Martha, you're wrong. Why are you even suspicious of me after everything I've showed you? But he leaned into her humanity and said, I understand how you feel, but let me remind you of truth. And especially with this topic, we've got to keep the truth in the middle. We've got to make sure that we, we understand that in the center of this message of life and death and resurrection is the truth that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That anyone who believes will live forever. That anyone who comes into a believing relationship with Christ Jesus will not die, but will forever live. And we see how Jesus and Martha has this moment. And he says, he will rise again. He also did ask her, do you believe this, Martha? I'm establishing my truth, but do you actually believe this? Do you believe that he will rise again? Because I am the resurrection and the life. And then we see how Martha then runs to Mary and she says, the teacher is here. Jesus has come to see us. And then Mary starts running to Jesus and it said that she met him at the place that he was still meeting with Martha or had met with Martha and following her were two crowds. The first crowd, it says, was a crowd of people who was consoling them and it were terribly sorrowful for the loss of Lazarus. But it also said that there was another crowd who came running with Mary. And this crowd came with suspicion. It said, ah, oh, we wonder what Jesus is going to say about this one. Because if he could have healed the deaf man, why couldn't he have healed Lazarus? And then we see how Mary came and Jesus saw her sorrow. And then it said that he saw the sorrow of this first crowd who was around her. And then it said he became indignant in his spirit. He became deeply moved by the emotion of what has happened at the loss of Lazarus. And then the second thing, after Jesus established truth, it's that Jesus shows emotion. 
said that Jesus wept. And he took himself and he leaned into Mary's world. With truth still intact. He just leaned into a world. He says, Mary, I feel what you feel. And I understand that this is painful. So much so that I'm going to take a moment and grieve with you. You know what could have happened in this moment? Jesus just said that he is the resurrection and the life. The story could have ended here. He could have said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Fast forward, Lazarus, come out. But Jesus being so meticulous in everything he did and looking at the Father and revealing the Father's heart to us said, I'm going to take a moment to grieve because from this moment forward, everyone who follows me are going to have Mary and Martha and crowd moments where they are deeply sorrowful for losing a loved one. And I want to show them that it's okay to cry. I want to show them that it's okay to grieve. I want to show them that me in my humanity feel exactly what they are feeling by losing someone that they loved. And so he leans into all of our stories. Truth remains. He is the resurrection life that never shifts, but he leans. And he leans into her story, and he leans into the story of the crowd, and he cries with them. He takes a moment to be emotional over the fact that Lazarus is gone, even while knowing what he was going to do. That's the God we serve. That even in the midst of knowing that he's going to reveal an aspect of himself to us, amidst our pain and our suffering, or because of our pain and our suffering, he takes a moment to relate to our pain and our suffering before he gets us to the finish line. And this morning, maybe you are running this race of faith and you are, you are overdone by emotion because of the pain and suffering and you're not at that finish line yet. Will you see what Jesus did here? That he would lean into their story. He's leaning into your story this morning. He says, let me feel with you. Let me cry with you. Let me understand with you. Let me weep with you. Because my child, I know how hard this is. Because I've been there. But then the story doesn't end in Jesus' emotion. He moves us on to the next part of the story. And that's where Jesus acted. They went down to the tomb. He says, roll away the rock in front of it. Open it up. And then it's interesting what Martha does in this moment. After that encounter with Jesus where she had the revelation that Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead one day and everything is, will be okay. And he challenged her and said, do you believe that I could do this? So he says, open up the tomb. And then Martha says, ah, mm, not a good idea. It's going to be smelly. Because that body has been in there for four days already. And then you see Martha just going back into her human way of thinking. Jesus doesn't give it much attention. He just moves on. And he asks her again, did I not ask you that if you believe you will see the glory of God. And so many of us find ourselves doubting like Martha in these moments. Will God really come through? Is this too good to be true? Is it too good to be true that the death of the one person that I love, my family member, my friend, could be used for the glory of God? Is it too good to be true that Jesus can step in and change that moment into a life-giving, purposeful moment? That's where we find ourselves like Martha. He says, Martha, didn't I tell you, if you believe in this truth that I'm building on, and he leans into her humanity again, that you will see the glory of God. 
maybe for some of us, that's what we've got to hear this morning, is that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. But on His watch, on His time, when He determines so. And then the story continues, and He calls out with a loud voice. You can imagine that, that sense of authority and power, and He wanted to show the world. And historically, Jesus rose so the first person being resurrection from, resurrected from dead, written into history books. And he said, Lazarus, come out. And in that moment, all of heaven revealed the power of Jesus over death. And Lazarus comes out and still clinging to him or the whole idea of death. And Jesus says, take it off him. He's alive. He is alive. So Jesus acts. He doesn't just pause at the emotion. Maybe you've had your moments of suspicion and doubt and difficult conversations with God because of someone that he decided their days are over. Maybe you found yourself in that emotion and maybe you're still there. Can you see that Jesus moves beyond that? He leans into it, but then he centers again to the establishment of his truth, that I'm the resurrection and the life. And if you would let me, you can experience this now already. It's not just for the one day when I return. That very life, that Zoe life, that God intended life, I have available for you now. So don't get stuck here. Let me come and act in your life. Let me come and move in your life. Let me come and reveal the power in your life. And maybe you've put a rock over some places in your heart. And God is saying, remove that rock and let me unbind the death that's still clinging to you in that place. Because you find yourself stuck at the emotion where you find yourself stuck battling with truth. Jesus said, I want to act on your behalf. And then... In all of this, Jesus reveals, reveals the purpose of Lazarus' death. He prayed to the Father and he said, Father, I've said these things for their benefit. I said these things so that they could know who we are, who I am, and what you want to do. I said these things so that they can see the glory of God. Now, I want to echo again the words in his challenge to Martha. He says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, because in every one of those deaths, the purpose of God will be revealed. And the purpose of God and Christ is for the glory of the Father. And then we see this last crowd right after that moment. Walking into the story. And they went to the Pharisees and they said, Yeah, you should hear what Jesus now just did. He raised a guy from the dead. And then the anger and the retribution against Christ just escalated even more. But I want to say to us this morning, I don't know where you find yourself, maybe in one of these characters' walk. I want you to see this, that Christ has established that He is the life and the resurrection. Maybe you've got a whole lot of questions and suspicion. Jesus is willing to have that conversation with you. 
Because He's not willing to leave you in your suspicion and in your questions. And maybe it's not death. Maybe there is an illness. Maybe there is a season of suffering. And you feel like Martha this morning. Jesus is leaning and He says, My child, I understand. Let's talk about this. And then He takes us back to understanding that the truth is central, not our emotions. Or maybe you're just feeling the grief. See how Jesus leans in and cries with you. See how Jesus touches families, a crowd who's sorrowful with his own emotion. Maybe you like the disciples saying, Follow Jesus is hard and it might lead to my death. But if that be, let it be. It might not be true for us in our context in South Africa. Do you know for how many saints are in this category? Where they've got to think like Thomas and say, Well, if we now follow Jesus, there's a good statistic that we're going to get a few stones to our heads and possibly die. But we'll follow him. You see, Jesus touches there, but he doesn't stretch as far as this third crowd. we just like, I don't want this. This is nonsense. They saw him raise a dead man from the grave and like, this is nonsense. We don't want this. Or the crowd on this end, he doesn't reach all the way here. Where they were just constantly suspicious about him. What's this guy doing? He heals the one, but he lets the other one die. And this morning, I want to end with an invitation that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you believe that even death, the hardest human moment to go through for the one leaving, and especially for those staying behind, that even that can show the glory of God. That's the invitation to each one of us. And this morning we have an opportunity to center again around these words that He is the resurrection and the life. That one day we will be with Him in eternity where this world is no more, pain is no more, sickness is no more. Yes, God, but I want the healing today. I know, my child, but your ultimate healing is coming in heaven. There's going to be no nothing. You're going to be completely healed. God, but you healed that person. You let the deaf man hear. Why not me? Because there's some illnesses that I use to show the glory of God. But I can even use death to show to the glory of God if you'd let me. And that's the essence of this message. When Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Personally, I've got incredible disappointments in my own walk where I had an expectation of God revealing Himself in a certain way. But can I say that on the other side, I'm grateful that He didn't because He revealed Himself as the resurrector, not just the healer. I've seen Him take even the sting of death and change it into revealing his heart for us. And if there's one picture that you leave here with this morning, I want you to see Jesus leaning 
into your story, wherever you find yourself. We're going to sing just about the beauty of God. Just about how He is perfect. Maybe in your singing, you are just so aware that you have limited Him and that your faith has led you to a place where you don't see Him as perfect in all that He does. In every single thing that He allows in this life, He's still perfect. And He still sees a much greater purpose. Jesus revealed truth. Jesus showed emotion. But Jesus will act in the way that He wants to act. And He will always reveal the purpose of the pain and suffering. And even if the only purpose is that glory of Jesus, then I'm saying, God, I'm ready. Because I only live for the glory of Christ, for nothing else.